You are listening to the Young Western Podcast with your hosts, Cheyenne and Montana Donuquette, where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. Hope you enjoy. Before we get into this episode, there will be talk of eating disorders and some other mental health issues. So if that is something that may trigger you, maybe give this episode a miss. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or someone you know is, please contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1-800-ED-HOPE. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome back to the Young Western Podcast. We are super excited to be back for our third episode yet ever and today we want to talk a little bit about Cheyenne she has had a very colorful past that we really want to get into and we're super excited I know like finally I feel like we've been just talking about you yeah there's been Montana chat so today we are getting into Cheyenne's story yeah we are talking a little bit I guess we kind of I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about something that sort of troubles a lot of people around the world, I guess. Um, And I unfortunately have a lot of experience in the topic, um, that being mental health as well as or specifically eating disorders and how I guess I was um, affected by eating disorders. Um, I think we wanted to more talk about this just because it is no secret. I don't keep it a secret that I struggle with an eating disorder and I guess we just thought it was kind of important an important topic to talk about um yeah but before we get into anything kind of deep and a little bit dark how was your week Montana did you make any runs do we have a run review to talk about yes I have a run review um I have made actually made a couple of runs in the last week I obviously am very lucky to have a lot of jackpots close by and I haven't found any really big bow races or radios to enter lately. So I'm just trying to keep going to a couple of jackpots close by to keep him fit and get our timing. Um, last week I did go to one and we got our first 1D check. Super excited. Um, yeah, it was a really nice round. I didn't ride amazing, but Bobby did really well. He felt good and he was firing. So um yeah very excited to get our first 1d check here in texas they're kind of hard to get um because i think that bowers had like 140 that was like a thursday night jackpot you know just the usual 140 entries over there are insane yeah it's wild but um yeah his run was really good he felt really good i was very proud of him and that was kind of a little goal we ticked off so i thought um i thought you made a short go not that long ago though um, I made sure goes, but that was our first 1D money. Like oh, our okay, first, righto. I think. I'm pretty sure that was our first actual money in the 1D. You've been clocking in the 1D. Yeah, got you. Yeah, he's been in the 1D, but that was our first money. So small wins. <laughs> small wins. We love to see it. But did you make any runs this week? Do you have a run review for us? Um, so it is the long weekend currently, uh, but we are not rodeoing. It's first time in a long while. I haven't been rodeoing over the long weekend because I assume a lot of people know, but Pete, um, Pete's body kind of turned on him and he ended up in hospital having emergency surgery. If you want to know that story, I definitely posted it on TikTok somewhere, but I don't know. We can talk about it another time, <laughs> I guess. Um, so we decided to stay home. The week before, I did go to Hay Rodeo. Um, my mare ran really good. I lost a stirrup. I just, I don't know why I lost a stirrup. My bands broke, which kind of meant 
I sort of just sat on top of her and let her make it made a run. She clocked really well. We've been getting like, we've been like crying hole for the last God knows how many rodeos. So as much as that's frustrating, I am really impressed with my mare who this time last year wasn't running at all. So I'm very impressed that she's clocking that well. And breakaway roped and got some money in the roping. So that's really, really good. My mare is coming along and I feel like she kind of was the best that she's been so far. Awesome. Good job. Yeah, I definitely think that your breakaway run, that was the best your mare had worked. I mean, yeah. from videos I've seen. Yeah, and she's in the same boat. She wasn't roping this time last year at all. So they're coming along um, in the broad scheme of things. They're coming along reasonably quickly. But when you're in it, you're like, I'm such an impatient person. So I'm like, hmm, come on. <laughs> but, yes, yeah. they made some amazing runs. And, yeah, we're going to have a week or two off. I might go to some bow races and just kind of we have so much going on at home with the facilities. So, it is working a lot. Awesome. I mean, I have to sacrifice some things, but very glad your mares are going so well. Okay, so it is time to get into the episode. Um, as we said, the last couple have been a lot about me, which I'm so happy with, but now apparently it's time to talk about you. Um, Cheyenne, if you don't know, has had kind of a history with mental illness, um, eating disorders, stuff like that all throughout kind of your childhood and teenage years um, while you were actively competing. Tell us like basically what type of eating disorder you had, what what exactly you struggled with in your mental health, um, just so people can get an idea for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So I, I guess I was diagnosed with anorexia, anorexia nervosa I guess it's called, and I had bulimic I would say I had bulimic tendencies. I wasn't, well, I probably was diagnosed with bulimia, but I wouldn't say that I was like a bulimic as such. Um, It was more just a kind of, in my opinion, it was more of just branch of my eating disorder, anorexia. And I think I was around 15 when I was probably pretty bad um I guess like most eating disorders that get quite bad it didn't happen overnight so probably started a long time before that um but I was probably 14 15 when it started to become a lot more uh noticeable and serious um and I struggled with it gosh I probably got back to a healthier weight by the time I was like 17 or 18 I would say maybe more like 18 19 but I definitely struggled with like eating disorder tendencies and things like that into well into my 20s. I'm still in my 20s, but I don't feel like I've recovered until recently, um, fully recovered. And I mean, even today, like I th- I would say I'm, I can't speak for other people's minds because I'm not in them, obviously, <laughs> but I would say I have a lot of thoughts that probably are not common of someone with like a healthy mind, um, but I'm definitely, um, I, I don't restrict at all anymore. I don't diet. I don't, I don't really have issues with eating, um, as such. And I think there's a lot of things, other things that come with eating disorders. Like I don't think anyone who, uh, starves themselves to the point of their body shutting down is mentally very healthy, nor do they have much self-confidence, um, so there is a lot of other things that go along with it. But yeah, that was kind of that was yeah. my diagnosis. Um yeah. 
Yeah, it generally, um, I mean, from my experience, kind of like the eating disorders go hand in hand with other mental illnesses, whatever they may be. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's like depression, anxiety, stuff like that. Like yeah. what other aspects did you have? Or was Look, it just I, an eating disorder? Yeah, it's really hard to say. Like I I think things like depression and anxiety, um, <laughs> To be honest, this day and age, I don't feel like they're really diagnosed all that often. They're treated. Um, like a lot of people will be treated for um, anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, whether they necessarily are diagnosed is another thing. I think I was at a point where my body, like I wasn't eating, my body was shutting down. So I think anyone, anyone living in a body like that is going to have depression or depressive tendencies and and like anxious thoughts like I think that that was all to go hand in hand more just for the physical um I was just so malnourished physically that my brain couldn't work properly so it kind of went hand in hand I don't think um I wasn't I certainly wouldn't say like I was depressed and then developed an eating disorder or I had anxiety and developed an eating disorder they do say that um there is a lot of other, uh, like they say that people with ADHD or um, I think even they say autism are more prone to, like even sort of mild autism are prone to eating disorders and things like that. I haven't been diagnosed with any of those either. Wouldn't be surprised if I have ADHD, um, to be honest, but I haven't been diagnosed. I, in my, now I'm an adult, I definitely probably have a lot more anxiety than I did when I was a teenager. I think I have more anxiety now than I ever have. Anyway, that's just a little personal. But I think that just comes with being an adult and having more responsibilities. I don't think, I don't think any of it went hand in hand more than um, genetics kind of play a big role into eating disorders, your upbringing, um, different triggers. But I think I think that was, I think that was something I was always going to go through. Just a, I had the right combination of things growing up and, um, and probably self-worth. Like a lot of people lack a lot of self, self-worth. And when you lack a lot of self-worth, things like eating disorders or self-harm are quite prevalent, I guess. Yeah. Because you were very like, um you're a very confident kid like you had a lot of friends you were always very social you weren't um like a recluse in your room all the time and just <laughs> that's not how it happened like you were very on the outside very confident and outgoing and like you know doing everything oh yeah I was doing the things especially as a teenager no I think um yeah I don't think it was and like you know I'm sure that there is plenty of introverts that end up with eating disorders. I think that um, you, to be honest, in, in my experience, I would say that you would have to have a level of um, a lack of self-worth to be able to get to the extreme that I did with my eating disorder in saying that I didn't lack confidence um, and it was probably more my personality type as well. I was... I am and was very much like a type A personality. I have to, and I'm, you know, aware of it now. So I try and 
be a little better at it, but I had to be involved in all the things and, you know, um, I wasn't okay not winning and I wasn't okay not being successful and I had to be good at school but also be winning at, you know, competing. Like I competed from a young age so I really wanted to be winning plus I also had to have like I had to be popular and I had to, you know, all the other things you do when you kind of are a teenager. I wasn't just okay being me and I think maybe that kind of lack of self-worth that was um kind of portrayed in the eating disorder that was my way of coping I could control that I could control how much I ate I could to a point control my weight no one could dictate that to me that was kind of like my stress relief I guess um because as much as you I would want to win and I would want to succeed and do all these things and be popular and blah, blah, blah. You can't control that. You can't control what other people think and say, and you can't control circumstances. You know how the people say, don't stress about what you can't control. And I wanted to control that so bad, but I couldn't. And I think that that was another reason as to why I kind of lent into this eating disorder restriction because mm-hmm. I, it was the one thing I could control. You're a control freak. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Honestly, yeah, probably. I um, yeah, I, it's something I definitely have to work on. I feel like I'm painting a very like wild picture of myself, but I definitely, you know, as you get, and I think that's something you learn as you get older. Maybe I just decide that I have to learn things the extremely hard way. Um, but you can't control everything. You can't control. You could have the best interview ever, and you won't get the job. You know, and you could you've just got to keep putting in your kind of best effort into into what you want to do and let everything else go. And I really didn't want to let everything else fall to the wayside. I was like, had to be on top of everything. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah. Yeah. It's just, and I guess at that age, you're like, um, you're growing up, like I grew up pretty quickly, I think, just in the, you know, competing space, you especially when you travel a lot a lot alone um and you're winning a lot and you know you're winning money and all that kind of stuff at a young age that a lot of kids don't experience I think I grew up a, a lot quicker than other people um and I yeah I I sort of was so immature really mentally like I I wasn't mature at all at 15 16 but I was making adult decisions and I was making adult money and doing that kind of stuff and I guess that's what happens when you put that much pressure on an immature brain yeah yeah so can you kind of like take it like taking it back can you like pinpoint or do you remember like when it first started or when there was like the first thoughts of it like how old you were, what kind of around, yeah, around what was happening? Were you competing hard all the time? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people think that like, and maybe some people believe it and blame it, like that there is one pivotal moment, one thing someone said that made people have an eating disorder or whatever. When I look back, there is times where I remember being like a child and being strangely aware of food um people dieting that kind of stuff but there was nothing pivotal that 
like it wasn't like someone said anything to me and I wanted to lose weight or whatever. I wasn't, I was a little kid. Like I, I, I was this fit little kid too. So I didn't have weight to lose, nor was when I begun seriously restricting, it wasn't about weight loss. To be honest, I didn't even really understand it. It was more of a something I could control. Like I said, like a challenge I was setting myself just for me and myself. And it was this one thing that I had and I could control. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, there was many things that come up when I was a kid that I probably don't think many other kids would be aware of. <laughs> like I remember pamphlets being sent out at primary school that were like healthy lunchbox ideas, you know, and they would send them back to the parents. And I was, I don't know, maybe go three or four. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And I was so intrigued by it. And I sort of, I remember trying to like maybe get that for lunch. At that point, I certainly wasn't restricting. I was just like fascinated by it. And then I remember just people saying passing comments about dieting or weight loss or this or that, that stuck with me for some reason. And I think I had a, um, had a belief and maybe growing up, I was born in the nineties and then growing up in the early two thousands, there was still such an emphasis on being thin was to be like successful and good and whatever. And being on a diet meant you were like grown up and like winning and you know, whatever the fuck. But I think that it was just a combination of a million different things. Um, and it was just the one way I, as, as someone who was quite immature being a kid, that was just what I fell back on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we definitely grew up in that like diet culture or that type of thing. And like the media, um, and everything was really toxic probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was extremely toxic. And I think that there, we were like grew up in an era where the internet kind of was just coming about when we were, well, the internet was there, but like social media and stuff was just coming about when we were teenagers. And it was a little bit unhinged back then. Like there was, it was pretty easy to find pro eating this sort of content it, this was like the days of like tumblr when I was I don't know I guess like 14 15 tumblr and myspace and stuff and there was just like hectic amounts of pretty toxic um content readily available and I think I would like to think that there is so much more awareness these days that that wouldn't necessarily fly but and that's kind of another thing like I know I'm going on a tangent here but I really didn't want to make this episode. I wanted to be really aware that I didn't make this episode any kind of pro eating disorder content. And for someone with like listening with a really healthy mind who does not ever suffer from an eating disorder, which hopefully is most people, that won't really make sense to them. But I know that people in the depths like of an eating disorder, they will seek out this kind of content and look at it more as inspiration rather than you know, a story about someone's well-being. They will more look at it as like, wow, she was skinnier than me, whatever. Like it, that is so, so dark, but that is the truth of eating disorders. Um, and I think that's, you won't, people won't understand unless they've been through them. Yeah. And we don't want this to like fuel any fires or put ideas in anyone's head. We can't. Oh my God, it. no bring it to light a little bit I do definitely think there's more awareness around it now on social media and like you know people adults and stuff and doctors being a lot more aware about it which is awesome because um 
yeah, I think that there's hopefully a little bit less that can people can get on their phones and feel their um, yeah. toxicity. Yeah, I think there's a lot more body positivity that goes on nowadays than oh back God. in when I was a teenager 10 years ago or so. Literally. So how did it, like, did it affect your competition and how how did you, yeah, how well were you competing at the time? And, like, did you kind of correlate it between you know, competing with your brain to not eat and then um, also competing? Like, how did it affect you? Because you were still rodeoing hard during that time. Yeah. I mean, man, it had affected every aspect of my life. <laughs> I made some pretty fucking stupid decisions yeah. back then. But um, <laughs> in regards to competing, yeah, definitely. I I guess I was lucky enough to have two really, really good horses at the time that kind of carried me a lot um I can't imagine I I don't I wouldn't even like to think about if I could have done a lot more if I was healthy because I for the longest time was just really unhealthy and my mind was just so preoccupied most of the time um I guess for a few years there I was obviously very physically malnourished as well um I was quite extremely anorexic at some point and I think I ended up getting help just at the right time. So there was probably only, uh, it's, it's hard to recall because when you, um, when you don't eat, you're, you often block out a lot of things, your brain, your body starts to shut down different like functions you don't need. Right. So between that and trauma, there is a lot of things that are just blacked out in your mind that you don't quite recall. You as my sister who was living with me probably would have recalled things better than I did. I do recall, riding um cool who was a very very energetic young horse he needed a lot of jockeying I do recall riding him and just being overpowered by him constantly like I remember making runs just crying during my runs because I was so sad and so in such a dark place and I didn't want to be there but I didn't know how to fight this demon that I had created that was this eating disorder and I was so weak physically that I just yeah I was at my wits end I was very sad and I I you know I had just phenomenal horses at the time that still took me to the NFR you know and we still won plenty but um not yeah not only physically like and then being that small and sick you then end up like I got glandular fever I was in bed for like three months with that I think like there was a lot of sicknesses I got um and just the mental toll of like even in recovery was probably harder than ever anything because I'm fighting something I knew so well every day I had to fight it was so, so hard for me to eat, you know, and I, I wanted to get better and I didn't, I didn't want, it wasn't like just eat because everyone says that just eat. And I mean, if it was that easy, no one would have an eating disorder. No one would choose to live a life like that. Like why would you choose to literally ruin your life? But I, I didn't want that. I, I wanted to be normal. I wanted to not care, but the thought of eating, especially in those early days was so tough. It was like, it it was so depressing. So yeah, it heavily affected yeah, everything like, I did. Yeah, competing wise, you were going to the NFR as like a 15, 16 year old, um, like open and junior NFRs. So 
you're winning a lot, winning a lot of pro tours and stuff like that, and junior titles at like your highest in competition, but your lowest lows mentally. So you pretty much were competing really successfully as a junior, like 14, 15-year-old kid, making junior and open NFRs. Um, you won a lot of junior pro tours, junior titles and stuff like that on the two horses you had. But all whilst you were doing that, you were like mentally at your lowest lows, um, barely eating. Kind of how did you how did you do that, frankly? <laughs> um like I don't know, because I'm pretty healthy now and it seems hard. No. Um <laughs> I think like, I, I don't know, apparently you read a lot of books. If you read a lot of books about like um, high-end competitors and all this, and I'm not comparing myself to like an extremely high-end competitor, but yeah, but you know, they say a lot of the times and you'll see it, so many high-end competitors in it, in every sport have these like insane scandals or these, they have this like really dark side that they borderline can't fucking control. Oh, sorry for swearing, but they can't control. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I had this side that I couldn't control. I had an eating disorder that I couldn't control, which funnily enough, I started to control, but I got to where I couldn't control it. But I think that the kind of notion is um, that these people go through like extreme, that it's that dark what they go through, that the getting up and the training and the doing the things that is extreme to be, so competitive is kind of easy compared to what they're going through behind closed doors, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that that was me, but back then I was a very different person. Um, I was very dark and not healthy and struggling with these insane things behind closed doors that I guess training and competing and making horses was just whatever. It was just like easy. You just went and did it. Um, I do think it got to a point where physically my body couldn't really do it much more. And luckily enough, I, you know, went into recovery sort of around that time. So it wasn't too long that I couldn't physically do a whole lot um, and got myself to at least healthy enough that I could compete well again. Um, It did take me a long time to get fully recovered, to become fully recovered. But um, yeah. I I don't really know. Like I said, a lot of it's blacked out. A lot of it, it probably just happened. I had that much going on in my head that, yeah, I just made that happen. Yeah, and the competing for you was easy. I mean, it was well, yeah, it was easy, and so it wasn't a big deal so compared to what. Yeah, it really wasn't a big deal compared to what else I was going through, like the demons I was trying to fight. <laughs> yeah. How long did it go on for um, at a really bad level? Like how long were you kind of doing that competing? How long could you compete for before it physically stopped you? Couldn't really tell you. I I think probably two years I would say it was pretty um, pretty bad. Um, I mm-hmm. guess the last three or four months it got to where I couldn't physically do a whole lot. And that's when I got pretty sick and went into recovery. In saying that, it would have been into my early 20s, so, you know, five or eight years even, um, that I mentally struggled with it. And it was probably a few years that I really, when I was quite young, you know, 15 or so, that I was like pretty bad. Um, 
And a lot of it was just behind closed doors, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So were you, I know the answers to these questions, but were you like willing to go into recovery? Did you want to help yourself or was it everyone around you that had to help you? Like what, and what was the recovery that you keep talking about? Like, what did you do? Oh my God. I was <laughs> not willing. I did not admit myself to recovery. Um like I said, it, you can't really explain it and it sounds, to someone with a healthy mind, it sounds so insane. I didn't want to have this eating disorder but I didn't know what I was without it. So the thought of starting to eat again, going through recovery, getting rid of this eating disorder was just not okay with me. Um, the people around me definitely decided that I probably needed to seek help and in the beginning, oh, my gosh, I was – such a brat I remember I just refused to talk to any of the like psychs and dietitians and stuff I just wouldn't talk to any of them I was just like just the most bratty teenage extremely underweight little ghost in the corner that wouldn't talk um and then eventually um they kind of had to threaten me into cooperating with different like different styles of therapy that I just was not about to have so eventually they kind of pushed me into talking to I had a psych and a dietitian and doctors and a whole bunch of things going on recovery was certainly wasn't fun um and I, I still I stayed in school I there was a few days a week I would have to leave school and go to therapy and whatever else um but I kind of got at the start, I guess, the only way they could get me to work with them was like blackmailing me into it. And I definitely didn't go down without a fight. I threatened everyone in there, didn't know what I was going to do. God forbid, a <laughs> tiny little 15-year-old. But anyway, um, and but then eventually I really, um, I really started to love my, you know, in the friend way love my psychologists and everything like that they were such beautiful people but yeah as I slowly started to eat a little more and feel a little better in my body um everything started to get easier um but yeah I certainly didn't voluntarily go into as much as I wished I didn't have the eating disorder the thought of life without it was way too scary for my liking and overall you had a pretty good once you accepted it you had a pretty good experience with your dietitians and your therapists and stuff like you know there can be kind of horror stories and stuff but yours were very nice people and they had your best interests and they were they really helped you out I feel from my oh yeah I had a great experience at the start like I was that it was like I was delusional I was just sure that all of these people wanted me to do was put on weight and their like end goal in their life was to make me overweight which I really don't think that I think they had a little more going on in their lives but um that's how delusional I was but I definitely ended up with a great great bond with these people and um yeah spent years still working with them yeah and it would definitely definitely, it was anyone out there is listening with an eating disorder and kind of struggling and relating to anything like this I just beg you to get help for not only for yourself but for everyone around you trust me you are a lot easier person to be around once you get a little bit of help 
because on that I mean okay maybe do you have any advice I feel like around being around you was like tough but were um like is there anything that you wish that people did for you or were you kind of is it kind of that thing of like you can't help yourself until you're not going to help get help until you're ready in yourself or was there I mean yeah. was there anything that you wish people had done for you or said to you or anything like that or was there anything that like people should not say if yeah. they've got someone struggling around them well personally I don't think that there was too much people could have done I was very um very hard to be around very hard to convince that I needed help you know I I didn't I wasn't easy um I think if That's there's not. any parent yeah you know that better than anyone I think if there was any parents out there or friends or whatever that have someone in their life that is dealing with an eating disorder you're just gonna have to be super staunch and tough and borderline force these people to like I'm not saying force anyone to do anything but really try your hardest to get this person help do not take anything that they say or do personally because they are really not thinking clearly and do absolutely everything in your like means to get this person help professional help because often the people around you are way too emotionally um invested then to be able to like help with a with a good mind if that makes sense or without being emotionally um connected um as if generally don't tell people that they it's really hard because people when you get re- like get help and start recovering and whatever and start putting on weight people will say things to you like wow you look so much healthier right now and as someone with an eating disorder all you think of is I've put on weight like I'm fat I fail like that might send someone spiraling so and then the other way is when people are trying to convince you to get help, they'll say things like, you look so sick or you're so unwell or whatever. And to someone with an eating disorder, that's like, good, good job. You're winning. Yeah. Like you're getting it done. You want everyone to think you like, you don't want people to think that after a while because you get to a point where you're like, oh, wow, I'm way too thin and I can't do anything without people looking weird at me. But that kind of is like a borderline achievement to people with eating disorders which is so messed up but it is so never comment kind of either way on their weight um and just like come from a place of love and come this sounds so like hippie but definitely come from a place of love and be like I'm so you know worried not not even worried for you but just I love you and I really want to get you help and I want you to be the best version of yourself because I don't think that this is the best version of yourself, whether you believe that or not. Yeah. I think you'd be a better version with a sandwich. Like I just reckon. <laughs> right. So, yeah. right. Everyone's better with a sandwich. Everyone is. Um, like, would you say now that you're, you know, you're almost fully recovered? I think in the last 12 months or so, you've really had some leaps and bounds. But up until then, there's still been, um, you know, you, I've still been out of known just different, like not trends, but like diet trends and things that you've tried that to me, um, I know that they're like in your, your head, you know, they're, they're things that your head's telling. And I yeah. like, yeah. What would you say? What would you say you're doing now? Oh, I think that, yeah, exactly what you said. In the last 12 months, I think I've 
pretty much gotten the closest to fully recovered that I will ever or have ever been. Um, I don't really have any foods that I don't eat. I'm not on any kind of like restrictive diet, whatever the fuck. I work out because it makes me feel good. Um, which, but you know, I'm like probably 12 years post when I, my eating disorder first began, which is an extremely long time. And it's hasn't come without a lot of therapy. Um, I think unfortunately in a weird way, as much as it's great that it means I have recovered, I think just being super happy not unfortunately, but I, it just took me a long time to become super content and super happy and not looking for something outside of myself to make me happy. And that's what really helped me recover. Um, I think I've never been more just comfortable with who I am. Hence why, you know, we're all doing these big things because we we are just so comfortable with who we are. And that's evidently what made me recover. It wasn't anyone or any one thing. It was just being so happy with who I am um and not that you know in the last eight years or you know six years or so I certainly didn't have a full-blown eating disorder by any means but there was a lot of tendencies there or disordered eating tendencies and I would often fall back on different diets and workout plans and stuff like that especially if I was stressed or mainly stressed so I think it's just patience and time and really we've done so much like together we had did so much work just to kind of on ourselves and just to be happy in who you are yeah I mean I think it's kind of like anything and it's like initial like recovering from it you have learned to like love yourself be surrounded by the right people and you don't really feel like you have anything to like stress about or prove or um in that kind of way that's how it's helped you recover to that point a lot better. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk about that and kind of bring awareness to it a little more, I guess, in my experience with eating disorders. And I'm, if anyone is struggling, like I'm more than happy to talk to them and make sure you message me or um, contact me if, if you want, obviously, but I'm, yeah. I just kind of wanted to talk about my experience, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's very, I think that it's important to talk about these things because I think that a lot of young girls and women in general, I mean, me personally, like you pick up traits and you see lots of things in the media and, um, and men. it's very easy to, easy. yeah, and men. Um, but easy to kind of have tendencies and stuff like that. And it's very, you know, hearing it from people you know um is very important yeah definitely definitely and just keep hope like if you are struggling with this or if you're a parent with a child struggling with an eating disorder or something like that really keep hope and um know that it can get better and if you know as long as you are kind of wanting to make your life better and the people around you's lives better you will do it it does take time though and just be patient and keep hope and know yeah, like I said, it'll get better. It will always get better. It'll always well, get better. Well, thank you for telling the story. Um, okay. If anyone wants to reach out to Shania, slide into her DMs. She loves all of our socials. Um, all of our socials are in the description below. Yeah. 
and we really hope you enjoyed this episode let us know what you think um we have a few very exciting ones coming up a few interviews which you really will want to excited sure you're subscribed <laughs> ding that yeah, notification sure bell things, subscribe do all of the things that the influencers tell you to do do every one of them please and thank you thank keep you posting so us on your stories uh, we love to see them yeah we will always repost you if you put us on your stories thank you so much we every time <laughs> every time but thank you for listening and we hope you all have a great week